Hey Podcast World, this is Ramon Sanchez. I'm an associate clinical social worker out in California and host of Destigmatize, a roundtable mental health podcast where professionals I know, members of my community, and some of my friends can discuss topics worth destigmatizing. For this episode, I've invited members of Youth to Leaders Education Foundation to help me destigmatize pursuing higher education. My first guest is Executive Director Gabriel Dame. Gabriel is a California State University Bakersfield alumni who majored in business administration with a marketing concentration. Gabriel has been in the nonprofit sector for multiple years and serves on the board for the Hispanic Excellence Scholarship Fund through CSUB. Gabriel agreed to join Destigmatize to share his passions for higher education and discuss ways to support students in the Central Valley. My next guest is Paola Caballero. Paola is a psychology student at California State University Bakersfield and one of Utah Leaders Education Foundation Program Coordinator Fellow. Paola agreed to come on Destigmatize to share what she's learned through Utah Leader and Microeducation Program to help future generations of students pursue their further education. My last guest is Tisok Valdez, another program fellow at Y2L and CSCB alumni with a bachelor's degree in sociology with a concentration in human service. Tisok is coming on Destigmatize to share his knowledge on how higher education is more accessible, how it's possible to fulfill your dreams while having fun, and his influences, including his parents. And now, here's our episode. All right, Destigmatize Season 3, Episode 2. I'm here with uh, Youth to Leaders Educational Foundation, here with Gabriel, Paola, and Tisak. Welcome, guys. Thank you for Thank having you. us, man. Thank you. All right, so before we get started, I want to go ahead and have a conversation with you guys. Just, you know, let's just, you know, kind of break it, break the ice. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, that's cool. good. Yeah, so Gabriel, as stated in the intro, you have a bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in marketing. Mm-hmm. So since you're here, um, I'm going to need some free advice on how to <laughs> get more podcast followers. Uh, well, I mean, you're already pretty like in the community and whatnot, right? I mean, I would just suggest that, you know, you have these handy dandy business cards right in front of us, right? That's already a way to get us to follow you. Uh, but I mean, you know, Already going to networking events, uh, really promoting on social media, which we will promote as well. Right and on. We'll put it on um, our Instagram, Facebook, maybe TikTok if we can. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, kind of just from what I've been telling our marketing team, now we have a marketing intern, marketing coordinator, and another marketing intern. It's like, we have to tell the story, right? You have to tell the story about your passion and what you're doing, right? And with you knowing you, you're a community leader, right? And so just in that alone, you being able to tell the story of your podcast about the mental health podcast, that is such a big topic, right? I mean, in general. And so I think being able to tell that, which you're already doing, uh, but just bringing on more organizations, different people that are going to spread the word. I already told a couple of people that I was coming on. They're like, oh, my gosh, let me talk to them. I'm like, OK, right let me see. <laughs> so are uh, already right there. That's going to be hopefully going to get you a couple more followers. Good stuff right there. I, yeah, that's a free consultation right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Paola, yeah. you're currently going to CSUB. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So how are you enjoying being a student? And how would you say that it's different from high school? 
I would definitely say it's busy because of the fact that the real world kind of kicks in with, you know, having to have a job and going to school, having that time management is truly a skill. Um, so I definitely would say that it's pretty busy, but overall, I'm enjoying being a student. I'm enjoying the experience and, you know, I'm graduating this fall, so I'm just trying to get all the experiences I can get in. Right on. Good stuff. Have you enjoyed college? Yes. Well, <laughs> not the late nights, but everything else. Yes, I truly enjoy learning. I truly enjoy having the opportunity to expand, um, you know, my experiences with being a college student. Um, I actually switched majors a few times, but I definitely think psychology is the way to go now. And I'm truly comfortable with where I'm at as a student. I mean, that's pretty common for, you know, for anyone to go ahead and switch majors throughout mm-hmm. the throughout the college profession. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. What do you think? yeah, I mean, most students um, change their well, most students don't know what they're going to study when they go in. So really, that first two two years is really them figuring out what they're gonna what they're gonna study, and you know, and like Paola, many of the students change their majors one two times until they land on the major that they feel most comfortable in, what they feel that really draws their attention. Um, for me, that wasn't really the 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 the, the situation. I really knew um, what I wanted to study. I really enjoy learning about people, learning about society, why society does different things that it does, how it's constructed. Um, so that's why I chose sociology now. And the human services concentration was really because I, I enjoy working with people. I enjoy um, helping people. Um, and the classes that I took and the concentration that, that I took really, really helped me deep, um, dig deep into that career. For sure. And he's like, you're definitely doing that now as you know, as you're pursuing your, your profession and, and getting into human services with utility. So man, major kudos for all the work that you've been doing this far. I appreciate it. I'm curious, you know, Isaac and Gabe, you know, since we're kind of talking about high school, do you guys remember high school at all and how life was when you guys entered college and and how different life was? Um, well, yeah, I remember high school for sure. Uh, it was definitely different, um, especially because when I went, I went to BC right after high school and I'm glad that I did. Because I was a knucklehead when I was younger. It just that's just how it is. You know, I wasn't taking the right classes, I wasn't passing those classes, but when I realized that higher education, getting my degree was the goal and that was what was going to take me further in life, there was like a flip that switch. You know what I mean? Like or a switch that flipped because like something that and I don't know what it is when I pe- when I tell people that they're like, oh, you well, men, they, you know, they mature later in life. And I was like, well, facts. <laughs> <laughs> and so w- when that happened for me, it was like, man, I started taking full, like, you know, 16 units. I was working full time. Um, I was more dedicated compared to when I was an 18 year old graduating from high school. Because school wasn't the first thing on my mind. The first thing I thought was, oh, man, I get to go to college. My best friends were going to Fresno State, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. The first thing I was thinking of was, you know, going to the parties. And that's what I tell my my younger cousins and people that I see have that potential. I'm like, just get the get your work done for sure. Get your education done, because in the long run, you are going to have the rest of your life to have a good time. If you put in the work like these two are right now at their age, they're going to be so successful when they're, you know, hitting 25, 26. 
Hey, some of us are late bloomers, okay? So, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, t- that was my experience, you know. And and I know everyone has their own paths, and I, I'm blessed to be on the path that I am. But I knew that higher education was what was going to get me like further in life, for sure. Yeah. What about you, Tizak? What do you remember about that was different in college from high school? I think the routine in high school it's more like you have your up to eight periods. Right. And every day is the same thing. And in, in college, it's every six months you're changing your, your your classes, you're changing, you're starting at nine o'clock and then you start at two o'clock. Right. So really that routine and you're meeting the same teachers, you see your same peers in college, your peer that you're working on one month can drop out the next month. You know? sure. So it's, it's a different experience. That, that's interesting you say that because, yeah, there was a lot of people that I went to high school with that, like, you know, we ended up going to B.C. together. The next thing you know, it's like, okay, we're on the same schedule. Like, yeah, now we're meeting on breaks and whatnot. And then the next semester, like, oh, no, I ended up, you know, dropping out or whatever the case was, which is sad. And hey, again, everyone has their own path. But I I, um, do recall that. Right. It was like the high school. What I did notice, too, um, was like the cliques that you had in high school. Right. Like the popular kids and those different people. And I was nowhere near the popular crowd, but you know, it was just interesting because then when I went to college, it was like, they all disappeared. No one, no one cared. Like it, <laughs> it was, was kinda, those little clicks. Yeah. It was kind of like a hard reset button mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. What, what do you think, Paola? Was, was that the case for you? Yeah, definitely. So I think that for me coming out of high school, cause I was a COVID class. I literally didn't even have a graduation. Oh, that's so true. So, Same actually for for my master's degree but yeah, yeah. oh that wow, that must have been hard for you i definitely felt like i was just not ready for that college adventure just because of you know all the factors coming in i had all these letters of acceptance i ended up you know accepting uc santa barbara and then i declined it because i was like i don't even know where COVID's going right. um but coming out from high school i felt like i still lacked a lot of knowledge and i wasn't ready for that journey going to ccb um however a lot of my classmates who did get into other schools eventually those who went out of town came back and then when they came back they dropped out and it was kind of like whoa you kind of are really in it alone at the end of the day it's your own motivation like your friends aren't there i haven't had a single class where i've had somebody that i know like truly know um be in that same class with me i've never like even considered that like that's and then she's all kind of like hit me with another like shock periods i haven't even thought about periods in so (laughs) long (laughs) Mm -hmm. like that's so wild um but yeah no 100 percent. i that's so interesting and we could talk about you know how covid impacted your mental health as we go through this episode and if it did you know i think it it kind of impacted everyone in, in different ways um you know i I am curious to think to know what you guys thought about college in general. You know, personally, I enjoyed aspects of college, right? But then there were a lot of things. I think that I, what I enjoyed most were my friends and my relationships. Um, my fraternity, shout out to Delta Zeta Tau, you know, but um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> shameless plug. But um, I, I didn't fully appreciate my experience until after CSUB. I think until after years after my undergraduate program um, as an alumni. And, you know, for me, I I feel like I personally felt frustrated with my university, my alma mater of Cal State Bakersfield. I feel like there were times that the university didn't really listen to their students. And I think that they still struggle in that department. 
Um, but it's okay. I feel like that's an okay thing to feel. Um, because overall, it's a great institution. It's a great place to learn. It's a great place to go ahead and develop relationships and whatnot. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to bash them, but I do feel like when students come together and they discuss these differences, um, you know, there, there's major change that happens. But I am curious to know what you guys thought about college overall. Well, well, sorry. To <laughs> well, you know, just to kind of go back to what you said about your experience, right? <clears throat> Like I had said, mine was a little bit different because I went straight into BC. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because I, when people say they went to CSUB or like a university, they got that real like staying at the dorms and, and going to the dining commons and having these different um, clubs that they could be a part of, fraternities and sororities. Things that I was seeing from my friends when they went to a Fresno State or they went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. So my experiences was way different. You know, I was, I worked on campus at BC and I was going to class. So I was there literally from like eight to eight, you know, for a while, which was a little rough. And especially like I had having to drive back and forth. But when I ended up at CSUB and university, it was, I was older in my life. I was more mature. I had the, um, responsibility, the um, organizational skills, the maturity instead of going to a university. And I'm being honest, if I were to have gone to a university right out of high school, I would have probably been kicked out or having to come back. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, it was definitely a different um, experience for myself because when I went to CSUB, again, I was working full time. I was taking uh, 16 units a semester I didn't have necessarily the luxury of or leisure of let me go to, I don't know, the rec center or somewhere, you know, or like mm-hmm. join um, or maybe a fraternity or something like I was like, nope, I need to get in and out. So it was a little bit different. And even when I went to BC, there were times where I was only taking a couple classes. I was working full time. I didn't really appreciate higher education, but seeing it now from this perspective, I'm like, oh, man. I wish I had that, you know, back in at that time. Yeah, I think for me, so a big reason why I changed my major. So I initially went in as a bio major um, that I love science. That's really what I wanted to pursue. I wanted to go to med school, be a surgeon, save lives, because in my mind, that was the only way to save lives. Paula is smart, smart. (laughs) Okay, okay, they both are. They're both smart, smart. (laughs) Like as I'm having these types of conversations, my change in the world is completely different from what Paola wanted to come in and change the world. (laughs) But I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. So I initially went in with biology, and I was super excited for it. I was super passionate for it. It's just something that I really you know, had set my mind to, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be this hotshot doctor. Everybody's going to come travel for me. But then I got to CSUB, and all of a sudden I'm in classes with juniors and seniors, you know, people who are older than me, and I'm like, dang, I'm writing their lab reports, and nobody's helping me. So then when I tried seeking help to counselors, I didn't feel like I was even heard. I didn't feel like I had any, you know, guidance. And so I felt alone. I ended up failing every single class that semester, And even then, I remember getting the email that I was on academic probation, and I started crying. And I happened to be on a Zoom call with a friend, and I was like, I'm literally like a failure. I felt felt like, I literally felt like my life was over because I was going to be stigmatized as a 
you know, a, a dropout because I felt like that was initially what was going to happen, you know. Um, I so felt like you, I felt like you thought you were going to be a statistic. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and, and not even that. I just felt like the comparison, like the race, you know, that invisible race with your with your friends to finish yep. college, yeah. to graduate mm-hmm. in three years, to, mm-hmm. you know, get your bachelor's, move on to your master's and see, like, who's going to do better in life. And I was like, dang, like, I'm just not in it anymore. So when I switched my major, I felt, you know, I felt like so much pressure was off and I felt happy. I felt like in psychology, there was more resources. People care about your mental health. And for me, coming from a Hispanic household, you know, my mom would would always say, you know, like, you just have to be strong. You just have to be strong. If you're not strong enough, then you're going to break and you're not going to be anybody. So that was in my head. Um, And then when CCB wasn't giving me that aid that I needed, the resources that I needed, I just felt like I didn't belong there or in school in general. I just felt like, okay, well, maybe there's an easier route that I can go or I can stick this through and finish my career Um, and something that I feel like, you know, that I can do and help others. So that's a big reason why I changed my major and why now I feel comfortable with where I am at CSUB. Cool. Yeah, I mean... Education in my family has always been a like something you needed to achieve um, for mm-hmm. both my sister and myself. Um, and right after high school, like Gabriel, I went to BC, finished my two years, transferred to CSUB, um, and that's when COVID hit. You know, everything was changing. Um, senior professors, I like interacting more with my professors than with my peers because I felt with the professors. I don't know. I had that um, connection of maturity. I'm not saying my peers weren't mature, but I, I connected more with my professors. That's exactly what he's saying. <laughs> I just want you to pick up on what he was saying. That's exactly what he said, but go on. But the conversations <laughs> I was having with the, my with my professors, even with my advisors, um, was just, uh, you know, different than the conversation obviously, obviously I was having with my, you know, with my peers. Um, but I, I did find that my, um, my the support system that I had at CSUB and at BC you know, helped me a lot. Um, I had a great academic advisor, um, Dr. Rhonda Dugan. She is a sociology professor at CSUB, and she was amazing in both the academic aspect and, like, any personal stuff that that I needed to, you know, strain out. Um, But, I mean, like I mentioned, because I had that instilled in me from an early age, that education was something that nobody can take away from me, I wanted that. I wanted to be um, educated. I wanted to be, you know... um, to really know what I like to know, which is people. I like to know people. I like to um, learn about the society. Just all that stuff that sociology brought to me really, really helped me and is helping me right now, even with the career that that I'm, that I'm planning to have, you know, that I'm working towards. But the, the support system at both at BC and at CSUB really helped me, Um, you know, and it, it took a lot from on my end to seek those help. You know, to to going to my advisors and be like, hey, I need help in seeing if I want what I want to do after my bachelor's degree is really going to help me in my career. And spot on, Dr. Dugan really helped me. Like, hey, you need to, you know, set your pros and cons. You need to do a map of like careers and stuff like that. And um, so it was, I don't know, I think for me, the whole experience at, at both BC and CSUB really helped me. Well, and to kind of just go on with, Tisoka uh, say, and what Paolo was saying is that you you go into these, you know, a BC or a CCB not knowing much. I mean, with anything, with any uh, higher education, right? 
So I think it's finding those support systems that are going to be able to help you. And I think that's where Y2L comes into play, right? Because we are helping these students that are underserved and underrepresented that don't know, right? We're helping the parents. We're helping the students with their FAFSA, with scholarships. And hey, I think this is in schools in general, high schools in general. They're like, all right, you know, we're going to get you to graduate. We're going to try to provide some resources for you prior but you know what? When you get out of here, you're going to be 18. You're going to be an adult. We might not be able to help you. Help you. Your parents might not be able to help you. But I think what T, like what Tisok had said is like he had that vision of like higher education is what I need. I'm going to go get it. Whether you know a professor helps me or um, a counselor helps me, but it's again that kind of finding those resources which are difficult, right? You know. We have all, I'm sure, have had the um, not ideal counselor or yeah. professor, right? But when you find those hidden gems, like at CSUB, I mean, I didn't have a close relationship with my counselor, but I had close relationships with my professors who then helped me get past these obstacles that I was in. So I think it's just kind of shifting that mindset of yours of when you go into college, try to find those resources that you are going to make that's going to make you successful right um and like i said we've all had our own uh discrepancies at our in our universities or, or jc's but again it's just stepping back okay where can i find a food bank where can i find how can i get to financial aid when you start to do that and you start making those connections it's going to like i guess kind of change your perspective on you know what csub wasn't too bad Right. BC wasn't too bad. TAF wasn't too bad. In some cases, you know, students don't have the best of experiences. But, you know, what I've seen here specifically since I've been here working with CSUB, BC, Taft, the pro the programs and departments we work with, they're great. They're awesome. They're like all for what Y2L is doing. Right. It's, again, helping those students that are underserved, underrepresented being able to give them that pathway. Hey, you want to go to BC? Okay, this is how we can get you there. You need financial aid. You need a scholarship. Boom. Here's that. You need other resources. Okay, cool. We got you. So when those departments see what we're doing and we see that they're just as passionate about us, it's like, okay, it kind of changes that stigma of, man, BC, they they don't have the best counselors. No, you just need to find the right Mm -hmm. ones, right? Right. And I mean, that's just kind of my perspective, Mm -hmm. what I've seen. And I think that's that's ultimately just changing as we advance, you know, as we get, I, I think respectfully, I think that there's a generational difference when it comes down to academic advisors or counselors. And I think that that's, they're going out and you are coming in, individuals that have gone through a lot of the struggles that you guys have shared. And, you know, um, and also thank you for sharing that like that, you know, there's, there's nothing easy about talking about this, but this is the reality. And I think that this is why this episode is going to be so great, especially for the population that's going to listen to this, um, you know, cause this is real. Um, so for sure. Um, I do want to go ahead and get into the context of what we're talking or, you know, why we're here. And I'd like to understand the history of youth to leaders. And I'd like to know the history as well as the main mission and objectives that youth to leader has Gabriel. Yeah. So, you know, just a brief background. Uh, so we actually started off as a scholarship um, organization where we were 
um, focus only on distributing scholarships to our students here in this um, in Kern County throughout the years that has grown with different executive directors, different board members. I mean, the founders of Y2L had this mission and this vision of ensuring that these students, especially the students that are low income, underserved, underrepresented in the migrant um, population are getting the financial assistance that they need and deserve. Right. Just because they're put in a situation of, you know, they again, they don't know the resources that are given doesn't mean they don't deserve it. Right. We could have some student that's from Delano that is working in the fields every day, but has a 4.0. And just because they're in the fields every day, it doesn't mean that they don't deserve that financial aid or that scholarship that's going to get them to get out of Delano or the field in Delano and go to a UC Berkeley or, you know, a UC or wherever, a Harvard. And it doesn't matter. And so seeing that mission and vision from, you know, it's been about 20 years or so. Now our mission, I mean, it's. It's continually growing, right? But the the main mission is to enhance the percentage of high school students to get into higher education that, again, are underserved and underrepresented. And seeing that, the vision of Y2L from what I would like us to grow into is serving all students that are low income because Kern County or Bakersfield specifically is mainly Title I schools, which are low income schools that... Their students aren't, how can I say this, that aren't getting those, those. Um, they're not getting serviced, right? They're, they're not getting that representation but to he, promote them to get in higher ed. But even that, they're not even getting, most of them aren't even getting their basic needs met. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, w- we've seen that just based off of since COVID, right? That's been one of the biggest things. COVID, even before that, right? There's been a big trend of students kind of falling behind, Right. But again, I think from what I'm seeing with how Y2L is going, we're sticking with our higher education and, and implementing it into our after school program, our Future Leaders Academy, um, our uh, weekend camps, you know, our scholarships, our cash for college workshops, everything that we're encompassing is higher education. And again, my goal here while I'm the executive director is just to expand that to every student that we can whether, you know, the race, whatever it is, as long as you get into higher education or you're at least aware, even if we get one student into higher ed and they said, man, I remember Y2L, they pushed me to apply for a college application. They pushed me to um, apply for this scholarship and financial aid. I feel like we're doing our job. Yeah, for sure. I am curious to kind of know, you know, because again, this is a mental health podcast. I'm, I'm curious to know how mental health awareness fits into your organizational border goals as as an executive leader well i mean covid just as a whole we saw the effects of that just with our students right the and not just our students that we work with but students all over the world right switching to that zoom um uh, model seeing the lack of um social socializing um I, you know, and I subbed for a little bit during COVID. I was a substitute teacher for BCSD, a couple other school districts. And man, it was rough to when I was on Zoom and I'd see every student, 30, 20 to 30 students and all their cameras are off. To me, I'm like, man, what is going on? 
And I remember, I'll never forget this. I was at a school district and I recall um, one of the students wasn't doing too well. And I was, you know, concerned. And one of the, I don't even recall who it was, but they're like, oh, well, you know, they're just having a rough time. We're going to try to just get them through. And that was, it was sad to hear. And so now, like, when I think about it, it just drives me more to like, oh, man, when I work with school districts now, like, we are working with those partners that are going to, like, enhance the students of, like, passing their classes, you know, um, talking about mental health, right? I mean, Ramon, you were a, a speaker at one of our camps, right? And so I think the fact that we're, we're bringing that up, we're allowing the students to talk about their feelings, um, to, to know that they can come to us with something that's bothering them, whether it's anxiety or anything that's revolving mental health, that's, I believe, is going to help us shift that um, not just stigma, because I feel like mental health is one of the biggest topics right now, whether it's in education, the workplace, wherever um, it is going to allow us to work with our students and let them know, hey, we're here for you. We're here not just on the educational side, but if you want to talk to us outside of this personally, you can. You know, and, and I feel like we were able to do that with all of our programs. I mean, Tisol and Paola know our students. I mean, they've known them since they were you know, what, middle school or so. So they're watching them grow up, you know, and now they feel comfortable enough to come to them and say, I wasn't having such a a hot day today. You know, can I talk to you for a little bit? Right. Yeah, for sure. How do you guys feel? Do you guys feel like additional pressures hearing those types of stories from like your students that come in and, and, you know, they, they trust you guys and, and they're able to go ahead and share how they're feeling. I mean, is that like additional pressure for you guys? I would say not necessarily just because I feel like I see myself in every student. So when they come to me and tell me like, hey, like I want to get accepted into this university, but I'm going to be leaving my family alone. Who's going to help take care of them? Like I'm already helping doing so much. And it's like, but this is your opportunity to be who you truly are. You know, um, regardless that we have our family that we're leaving back home, I always tell them like at the end of the day, this is a smart move for you, for your career, and essentially for your family at the end of the day. You know, I feel like there's a lot of um, stress that comes into it, which plays into the mental health factor of what am I going to do with my life and the people you're leaving behind. Um, so I definitely feel like that was something that probably was in all of our heads when we were trying to see where we were going to college as well. Um, and how am I going to pay for it? That's the biggest one. How am I going to pay for it? I know in my situation, my mom was like, I'm not going to give you a penny. You have to apply to all these scholarships. If you want to go to a football game, you got to apply to at least three scholarships. Um, so when they come to us and start talking to us about, you know, all these stress factors that are going into, you know, their they're, they're going through their head when they start thinking of how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to live? How am I going to eat? The people that I'm leaving behind, it's like a never ending like spiral that they go into. And to be that person to kind of help de-stress them and to let them know that, hey, you know, life is struggles. But at the end, you know, we all get to the finish point, you know, one way or another. Um And what we want that to be is for them to be able to pursue their career within higher education to feel successful in that for themselves. And I always let them know, this is your journey, not ours, not your family's. So at the end of the day, what's the smart move for you? Mm -hmm. I think it has to do, too, um, with the the parents. Unfortunately, um, many 
of the situations that I've seen when I'm working the cash for college workshops where we help the students submit their application for the financial aid and all that stuff. Um, I asked the student, so what do you do? What are you going to do after you, you graduate high school? High, what college are you going? Well, I want to go to Berkeley. And then the parent jumps in and says, um, yes, but it's so far. He sh- they're going to leave us. And I always turn to the parents and I, and I tell them like, they, do you understand what you're tra- like, what you're, student is saying like they want to pursue higher education they want to do bigger things and they want to move to to a bigger institution right and they're like and it always goes back to yeah but they're gonna leave us just hearing the students say i want to go to berkeley like i tell the parents that's the motivation that they have that's a big factor in staying motivated in staying you know and staying in school in in general so i always try to tell the parents like just listen to your student sit down and talk to them and i was like why do you really want to leave you know why do you want to go to berkeley why do you want to go to ucla um why do you want to move out of town and then they come i see them again in another workshop and then the parents like well i i listen to them now and i understand why they want to leave you know i understand why they want to go seek higher education at at this other school and stuff like that but um going back to the the population that we serve um Mental health, is, talking about mental health is kind of a taboo in our culture. Um, and quickly, if like you say to your parents, well, I'm feeling stress, I'm feeling, you know, depression. It's, it's really, as they say in Spanish, it's that's loco, right? Okay. You're crazy. And instead of building that support for the students, um, they're kind of diminishing their, their, their feelings of that. But I also understand that the way our parents were raised doesn't give them the structures or the, the, the really the knowledge to support their children in that aspect of, of social of, um, mental health. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. I, you know, looking at it from the lens of, um, of what you guys see. And I think that that's something that you and I could actually discuss down the road and maybe create a workshop where we could go ahead and, and, you know, ultimately reduce and have those open ended conversations with the families on, what are the pressures that you're creating for your students? Um, what you're asking them is, is significant. Um, addressing the fears and being able to normalize them and, and not have that taboo there. Um, but for the students that are listening to this podcast, it's ultimately important for you guys to have that conversation with your families and have that effective communication where you guys are able to go ahead and tell them, you guys can't see me as your young child anymore. Like I'm working towards becoming an adult and these barriers that you guys are putting in front of me are preventing me from being able to go into the unknown without the concern of having to look back. Of course, you're going to look back. Of course, you're going to go ahead and and, um, be part of the stresses that are happening at home. The difference is that it's going to be limited and your family is going to have to learn how to navigate without your assistance. And, you know, as, uh, and, and again, I, I think, I, I think we all come from that, you know, where you have Spanish speaking parents where they can't even make an order in a fast food restaurant because of the fact that the, there's that language barrier. And then they put that pressure on you. Um, those are the things that you could go ahead and work with your family on how to, not do that whether it's creating a written system or teaching them how to order um fast food you know those are some solutions but again we could we could talk about that down the road yeah. but but thanks for bringing that up these i really appreciate that yeah so 
I do want to talk about some of the programs because we kind of talked about the summer camp that, you know, I, I was a speaker in. Um, and, um, and and again, I, I learned a lot about your guys' organization. What are some of the programs that you guys offer? And ultimately, how many employees and students are part of these programs? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I had mentioned it earlier. We started off as a scholarship organization, distributing scholarships. And that has been still one a pivotal part of Y2L. Again, it's financial assistance for students. And so um, last year we gave about gave out about 42 scholarships, um, partnering with different uh, community members and different organizations because they see the value in scholarships. Right. whatever it is, that's going to help the students with their books or whatever the case is, right? So the scholarships is is very pivotal for us. Uh, One of our biggest programs that we have going on right now is our Cash for College workshops. They're financial aid workshops that we've partnered with um, um, CSAC uh, of California um, and then Kern uh, High School District and other community organizations where we are helping students... uh, fill out their FAFSA applications, which we are having about 110 um, workshops here before April 2nd. So we're really excited about that. Um, Again, like I had mentioned earlier, we have our Future Leaders Academy where we're actually um, providing a math and English curriculum based uh, program uh, over in like Lost Hills, Wasco area. And it's from kindergarten to eighth graders. So, again, incorporating that math and um, English curriculum, but also incorporating STEM, um, college readiness, arts, different aspects that the students that are uh, enrolled in the program might not be getting during their day. Right. Um, So I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of all of our programs. Um, But I'd like to pass it off to uh, either Tisok or Paola to talk about one of the weekend programs we have coming up. Yeah, for sure. And Paola, since you were one of the students who actually attended those when you were in high school and middle school. Yeah, so every single program that Gabe is talking about, I've probably been to every single one of them. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so we have a um, weekend retreat that we do for high school school students. We have two. Our senior one that focuses on helping our students, our senior students apply for their applications, whether it be a private institution, a UC, a CSU, the community colleges. We're really there to help them improve their applications, to help them get them submitted and done throughout the weekend. Um, We also help them do their personal insight questions and giving them feedback and reviewing them for them. So it's a really long process, but we are more than happy to be there to support them we have you know trained staff who know the applications in and out to help them get through that too and then we have our um just overall high school student retreat where the students get to learn about what it means to be on track through a through g um how they can start you know filling out scholarships what what type of tactics they should know um and how to keep them on the road to, you know, be seen by the university, college, whatever they want to do. And we recently started implementing the CTEC careers as well. Whether they choose a long career, a short career, we really just want them to be prepared for their future. Um, you know, they're experts in their own lives. So we just want them to be aware of what the what society has to offer them and where they can make, a, you know, get the passion and where, the, where they can make a career out of. Yeah, I mean, Ramon, you were part of our... Um pre-college Puedo and STEM camps, I believe, last year when you, you spoke <clears throat> to our students. So we also do those um, those camps, and those specific camps are to give the students um, 
like uh, for, for, they foreshadow how they're going to be when they go to college. If they do decide to go outside of town, you know, they stay in the dorms, they eat in the, um, in the, um, let's say chow hall, but what do they the call dining it? Dining, dining, yeah, dining college. Thank you. Um, so they get that full experience of, you know, being a college student. They, they're taking classes in a actual, you know, college class. Um, so, all the programs that we have is, like Gabriel said, to enhance and to prepare the students and to really motivate the students to go to higher education. Yeah, for sure. And what? So I could just add on to those. So we partner with the migrant program here at KCSOS, right? Each, I mean, last year we took close to 300 migrant students to these camps, to our algebra academy, our high school STEM, and our pre-college Obuelo camp. During that time, that was my first camp. I was probably started about a month prior, you know, yeah. a month, month and a half prior. And so when I went, you know, being able to spend some time out in Santa Barbara is not too bad of work. Yeah. <laughs> the weather. That. Yeah. The weather's amazing. But the thing that I saw and that what still drives me today is that the students. So we had some students that came from Fresno, right? We take them to the beach. Um, and that is just to get them started for the week. Right. So we took them to the beach um, we said we you guys can get in the water, but just you know where it's uh, knees. You can't get below or uh, above your knees, right? You can just stay like feet in the water. Man, these group of kids <laughs> dove right into the water. I found out that they had never been to a beach before. Yeah, they had never been outside of their small. I think it was maybe up in Selma. Man, when I heard that, it was like again, it shifted into another type of passion. I was like, oh man. Okay, I see I see what we're doing here. I knew what we were doing. But when you see it in person and you see that these students are going to gain so much just in this one week and experience that they're going to be able to take for the rest of their lives, it's truly like fulfilling just for myself and I feel, you know, hopefully for the staff as well, especially for the ones that were in our programs. They were in those yeah middle school programs high school programs they were like yeah i remember Paulus said so many times oh yeah i was there i went to this i went to that i was like man and to know that they're both they were in our programs or affiliated and they're coordinators now because they can see full circle okay i was that student it's a different level of passion for them that they're able to really focus in on okay I know how we can enhance this program, and I know what the students are going to get out of it. And we we have this, well, I try to push it on the staff, and they already know, student safety and student experience. The students are safe. That's our number one priority. Then it goes to experience. What are they gaining out of this? What are they, when they go to a, it's not like it's just a vacation, right? You're going to UC Santa Barbara, but when they go on there, and they're in the grass, and they're, we're at a, an activity and they see the beach or they see the water from the campus, they can envision themselves there. And so I just wanted to kind of touch on that because that was my experience when I first went to those camps. Yeah. And I think too, um, uh, the, there's a student aspect, but I saw you touched Gabriel on the staff mm-hmm. like um, myself. And I know some of the RAs that, um, that have worked with us have never been outside of Bakersfield until we got to White Well. We never experienced because we stayed here in Bakersfield to go to school. We never had that experience of living in the dorms, going in and mm-hmm. eating at the dining hall, you know, and seeing such a UCSB is way bigger than B, than CSUB, obviously. So having that experience as an 
RA, I felt like I was first as an RA. I felt like I was learning with the students. I was getting that same experience with the students. So I, was, I, I kind of understood. I did understand what they were like, what they were going through, what they were feeling, what they were seeing was the same thing I was seeing. Staying in the dorms, you know, being with a partner in that dorm, and you know, so it, there's a student aspect, but there's also the the, the staff mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's also the outsider's perspective. You yeah. know, myself. You know, I. Um, you know, I was asked to go ahead and, and go to these camps, right? And um, and I went, and and I definitely like I got lost, you know, looking for <laughs> looking for you guys' parking lot. But what I but when I found you guys, I noticed all the different um, school vans that were there, you know, that were transporting the clients. Uh, one of them went as far north as Tracy, California, which is like, you know, close to Sacramento. And you know, anyone that's been to Tracy, it's literally a bowl of just mountains and agriculture. And, you know, they don't, a lot of the people that go there, they don't really get the opportunity to, to even go out and be part of um, anything that's there. So, um, you know, a, a little bit about my experience, you know, kind of similar to my life. I've had individuals in my life that have told me you're not going to make it in life. Um, you know, individuals that were supposed to be guidance counselors. Mm-hmm. And I 100% believe them because they, at the time they were right. You know, at the time it was like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. You know, that's why the plan is go to military or whatever, mm-hmm. the, whatever mm-hmm. the plan is. Um, you know, and it took individuals like certain peers and even my mom to go ahead and say, go to college, give it a try. And then from my end, it was the academic probation as well. You know, I got an academic probation, but then that pissed me off (laughs) that I got there. So therefore, it it was just more of a competition towards myself. And then that competition led up towards a bachelor's degree and then ultimately a master's degree. So seeing from the outside in, never knowing what a beach looked like, you know, your guys' organization is changing lives. Uh, in so many aspects because all you see is agriculture all you see is you know the fields and what you can do in those fields whether it's a short term you know maybe you know there's some families that are fortunate enough to have a bike and you could ride in those agriculture fields and hope you don't get a lot of the stickler uh, things Mm -hmm. (laughs) on on the tires and have a flat tire but the reality for most of those people is that i'm going to work in these fields and i'm going to die in these fields um, and I'm going to have a family and support and do what I need to do. But there's so much more that goes outside of that. And as grateful as we are towards the farm workers that do that work, you know, there is so much more that the, that the student, that the offspring could do to go ahead and change the future generations, um, as well as help out the past generations by providing additional income, by being able to have a degree. So... That's just the outsider's perspective. So, you guys are part of all these camps. And I know that you guys, are you guys, do you guys volunteer to do this? Are you guys voluntold to do this? Or what, like, what's the deal? Like, why are you guys so involved in this? It's a bit of both. Voluntold? (laughs) Voluntold? (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm just going to look at it from, like, the executive director (laughs) spot. Um, When... There's like a program that I'm seeing, right? 
I'm like, okay, who is going to be able to one who's not just want to do it, but be passionate about it because you can put anyone at a job and they're going to do it because they're going to get a paycheck. Right. But if you put someone in this position that's passionate, that are going, that have goals for themselves and again, want to make a difference, that's the deciding factor for me. So with each of the program programs that we have, I know that the person that's in there is just as passionate as a person that's next to them working on a different program. And so, I mean, I'll ask them, hey, do you guys want to work on this? You know, and because if they're like, oh, well, you know, X, Y and Z, then it's like, okay, well, let's try to figure a program out that's going to work with your passion and what you really want to do. And when I see these two specifically just with the programs that they're running again, Paola had been in a program like that. You know, Tissot's been in a, uh, an RA for us. They know. They see what the impact that they can have. And they're good at it. You know, it's like, you know, it, that's kind of like the, um, you know, you get more work, the, the better you are at things. But I think that just shows the amount of respect that I have for them because I trust them to be able to get the program done, again, with student ex- uh, safety and student experience, Right. Because, again, it's not just us putting on these programs. We work with the school districts. So that is comes into a certain responsibility and expectation from the school district. So um, the voluntold, I mean, you know, I'll ask them and we'll have a conversation. But, you know, I'll, I'll pass it off to them to, to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say that. You know, Gabe, you can attest to this. But if you ask me to volunteer... I would be more than happy to do so. And it's honestly just because of the main factor that Y2L has always made me feel seen. You know, at the end of the day, you know, in high school, they were my first job, you know, my first paycheck. Well, my first real paycheck. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, I was out there working in the fields, right? And I gave um, one of our partners on the migrant um, program, Sal Avalos O'Connell, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I don't want to be in the fields. And he was like, you know what? Give me a week. I'm going to call Y2L. We'll see what we can get for you. Y2L gives me a job. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm here and I'm seen. And, and I had already been a scholarship recipient. So I've been seen twice now. And the potential that they saw in me was just amazing, you know. So all of a sudden I start feeling worth for myself and my college journey and my experiences. And wanting to put that, you know, faith into it because somebody's seeing me. So... And kind of to just connect it all, I would volunteer for it if I had to, because, you know, I see these students and I see the potential in each of our students and just them showing up for the programs is that first step before, you know, to open all those doors, to make all those connections. You know, people come up to me and students will say, hey, Paula, can you read this for me? Hey, Paula, did you ever experience this? Hey, Paula, how do I talk to my mom about this? You know, and it's, it's all because, you know, I'm still being seen, right, by students. Students are seeing me as a as a mentor, and I'm seeing them for who they truly are and for, you know, the potential that they have. So for me, it's all out of heart. Um, it's definitely based on that student experience and student potential. It has to do, too, with the leaders that we have, like Gabe. Because he could have easily come into White Tool and be like, hey, we're doing this my way. But he sat us down one-on-one and be like, okay, how do you see this program going? What's your insight to the program? How do, how would you do it? You know, and having those monthly one-on-ones when most executive, um, you know, uh, directors or um, 
officers in in the corporation or whatever would just leave their workers to do whatever but when we have like we are to the students that 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 mentor that guide gabriel for the organization is there for 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 the staff really because you know just and then like I told you, we're just that, you know, that fist bump in the morning and saying good morning, you're being seen. He's recognizing his um, his employees, his staff, his peers, which motivates us to do better, to do better for the students, but also to do better for us. Because at the end of the day, we're growing with the students. Majority of our staff are in school, either pursuing their undergraduate or their graduate degrees. We're still students. And we're the steps that we're taking the steps of with the people that we're taking them with really has to do a lot with, you know, um, the quality and the quantity of work that we do as well. But I think I, I, I'm, I'm with Paul a hundred percent. Um, you know, if, Hey, we need a weekend, we, we don't have speakers and you want to volunteer. Yeah. Why not volunteer my time when so many of the people that have come before me have volunteered their time and thanks to them, we're where we at right now. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important to you, Gabriel, you know, to be able to do the fist bumps in the morning and to be able to go ahead and involve your staff in a lot of the the decision making that ultimately they don't necessarily have to be part of from the executive director's lens. You can make the decisions on your own. You can. Why is that so important for you? You know, I have learned this from bad uh, experiences and, and good experiences and to know that I look towards empowering the staff and like saying hi to them in the morning. I've had previous managers who would literally just walk past us as if I was nothing, right? Like you're just here to get a job done. Earlier when I was saying, you know, we're passionate about what we're doing. It's, it's true. We are, we wake up every morning and we have a reason why we come to work. It's not just coming to work to get a paycheck. And so I know I'm passionate about it, but I want to ensure that the staff feel empowered to put on these programs. They feel supported. That's my job. And it's not even just a job perspective. Like I care deeply about my staff, you know, and knowing that if they come to me with a question, I can answer it all or I'll say, hey, let me get back to you. (laughs) I will, you know, I'll and they might have to follow up. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) you know, but. I believe that leading by example, you don't lead by fear, right? You lead by respect. And if this, if your staff respects you, the work is just going to be that much easier. Don't get me wrong. We all have to pay bills. We all have to work, right? But when you come in and you're happy and you're able to, to do the work, feel fulfilled and empowered, that's my ultimate goal. I want to see these two become the next CEOs or directors or whatever they have their goal in. And my job outside of Y2L is just to help them grow in that. And so I believe that the fizz bumps is just the bare minimum. And I don't I never even just thought of it of like a strategy, like, oh yeah, I'm going to go say hi to T-Sulk every morning because I want him to, no, it was because I want the staff to feel the presence of, hey, I'm here for you. Come to me what you want. Unless my door's closed and the sign's up, then, you know, I, I'm open. Or I'll even, if I'm not in office for meetings, chat me, call me. If you can't call me, text me, whatever the case is. I just hope and 
yeah, I just hope that they feel that right when whether I'm in office or I'm when I'm not. Do you, the two of you feel that Whitetail supports your mental health? Yes. Yeah, I very much do. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's also days where he comes out of his office and he's like, "Are you guys okay? It's it's kind of quiet out here." And we're like, "No, nah, yeah, we're good. We're just you know getting the work done." But you know, just those check ins as well. It's just kind of like, okay, like I'm supported to be who I want to be and who I truly am. You know, at work. And I feel like that energy is what our students get from us as well is, you know, who we are and the passion that we have. And I feel like that's what kind of passes on the torch to the students to even participate, you know, within our activities and to keep coming out to our programs. And it all starts with the leadership that comes from above. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, even even if you're sick, you know, if you're feeling a cold, like you're going to be like, hey, if you're not feeling well, go home. Just take the day off so you can rest. And that's because we need to be healthy both mm-hmm. physically you know psychologically healthy to do the work that we do if not that affects you know the programs that we're running the the efficiency of the of the program so hearing that when previously i mean i've heard working in the field where like well if you don't come tomorrow the job might not be there so having you know that 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 leader to say i hear your concerns i see you that you're not doing well you should go home and you'll be back tomorrow feeling better. It's, it's, it's amazing to, to work in that environment. That's a real, you know, situation where your job may not be there the next day or a supervisor may threaten you to that your job may not be there. Or you're, you know, that's a real thing. And that really exacerbates one's mental health. And, and I really do feel like even just minor examples of what we're talking about and being able to model that to the youth i feel like that's a really good way of being able to go ahead and change um the next generation in a very small way um but but i am curious to know um how does youth leader incorporate mental health education and support into its programs you know the same way that you do with your staff how do you do that with your low-income underrepresented students well i think and I appreciate what you guys said. That was, you guys are about to make me cry. Um, but I, I really think it starts from the top, right? Like with, the, if Paola and Tisok, they go to our, one of our camp and they're working one-on-one with our students or the rest of the RAs and they're upset, irritated or whatever the kids stressed out because of, you know, whatever the workload was to get them there, the students are going to feel that. Right. They're going to know that they might be children or they might be middle schoolers or high schoolers, but they can sense that there's something up with the RAs or the leadership. And so I think just starting with our staff being happy, you know, physically, mentally going into these camps, I think that trickles down to the students mental health as well, because if we go to a camp again and Tisok and Paola and they're man, they're killing, they're having a great time. They're giving kids high fives. That's going to boost the mentality of the student. Like, man, I'm so glad that I came to this camp because I'm seeing Tisok. He's so happy right now. He came and gave me a high five. Like, oh man, that's so cool. I remember when I went to a a middle school camp and I remember the RA or the coordinator said hi to me and I was like, oh yes. (laughs) Like, I'm so cool because they said hi. But again, I think that that just right there and it, it trickles down. Um, from other programs that we have, bringing on professionals like you, right, that are able to speak to the students at these programs to let them know you're not alone. 
we're here. I'm here for you. And I think that Tisok had mentioned it earlier that they might not get that from home. They might say, you know, like you had said, oh, I'm uh, as a as a high schooler, right? You're stressed out. Your parents will be like, "What are you stressed out for? All you have to do is deal with school, right?" They're like, "Wait till you, wait till you pay for bills and yeah. you have a family and all that, right?" If they don't have people to talk to them like yourself, Ramon, or or Tisok or Paolo or anyone, that's going to affect their mental health, you know, and. I believe that the work that we're doing, whether we know it or not, it's affecting their mental health. You know, the stressors that they might have at home. And it was funny. I actually read an article a couple days ago about the stress that high school brings, right? Whether you're going to a higher ed or a university or a JC or a CTE program, there's stressors that come into that. Oh, when am I going to fill out the application? When is that due? How am I going to pay for it? And I feel Y2L is here to help those stressors and, and overall their mental health. And if I can add as well, at the end of every program, we do you know an activity where mental health is kind of involved, where what I feel about mental health is that a big thing is your kind of your self-representation and your you know, insecurities and how you're accepting yourself. Because at the end of the day, I think the real question is, who am I? What was I meant to do and what am I doing? Right? Like I ask myself that a hundred times a day. What am I doing? What am I doing next? You know, what am I worth? What was I worth today? You know, how was my performance? And at the end of every program, we do an activity where the students boost each other up, um, where they can network with each other, where we empower them to feel like they can take all that information from what they learned from camp and take it back to their own schools and teach their friends who you know didn't attend the camp or their friends who missed out on the camp, take it back to the counselors to inspire them to do something more school-wide, right? We have a lot of students who are natural leaders as well and go back and tell their, you know, their classmates, hey, this is what I learned and you can do it too. So I think that that's a big thing that our program kind of, you know, in, in every single agenda that I've seen that we've done, there's always that activity where we empower them to believe in themselves at the end of the program. And when we see them come back to our programs, we see them come out of that shell and be their own leaders and lead other students as well. So that, you know, that population of students believing in the in themselves just becomes greater and greater to the point where they're just bundles of joy spreading it and you know what they're coming for my job anti Soak's job and <laughs> and you know at the end of the day i think we all win just because it all spreads into positivity and that's where we want their mental health to be at you know we want them to be able to grow and feel that positive energy and i definitely would say that they get that from you two leaders for sure we also the um, last year we had the migrant education parent conference where it was um for the parents right of the students that we serve and the families that we serve, um, we had to, you know, get speakers and volunteers to present to the parents. And we had one of the topics was mental health, you know, and destigmatizing the many taboos um, and the areas of, of you know, um, of mental health and psychology and therapy. So we had, you know, experts come to our workshops and talk to the parents. The parents ultimately had the, the, the choice to go to these uh, workshops. And we had a lot of parents go into those workshops and that shows us, you know, that if we're taking those resources to them and they're seeing the resources in front of them, they're going to take it because they want to better themselves and they want to better their students, too. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, I, I was there for that one as well. And I mean, it was two workshops and both of them were for the most part full. Um, so definitely it's interesting that the families also want to go ahead and improve their mental health. You've addressed, you know, some of those barriers, right? You know, where the, where it could be families or it could be, you know, one socioeconomic status. What are some other barriers and challenges that youth to leader faces um, with regards towards, you know, mental health or even access to resources? And how does youth to leader work towards addressing those challenges? You know, <clears throat> one thing that I've seen... Um, in just conversations that I've had with different uh, partners and whatnot is just getting the word out, right? Is like the recruitment of students, um, letting the, the parents know about what Y2L has to offer, right? With our summer camps, with our weekend camps, financial aid workshops, scholarships. Um, and a way that we're addressing it is that we're now incorporating more on the parent component side. We're hosting um, financial empowerment workshops in Lost Hills uh, with a lot of families over there uh, starting in April, which I'm really excited for. Three of them are going to be in regards to higher education, uh, FAFSA applications, scholarships, and basic college needs. And the other three are going to be about how to budget while, you know, for higher education, for college, um, how to save, you know, how to build credit, right? Because these skills that these parents are going to be able to pass along to their students, that they're going to be able to continue their skills throughout the rest of their life. So right there, that's just longevity. Um, and in regards to like the recruitment portion, um, you know, we're partnering with different schools to do uh, presentations. We're looking to have one this Thursday up in Lindsay. And so we're really excited about that because again, that's going to let the parents know about the um, great work that we're doing here and how we can help their students. So, I believe in that aspect. Um, ultimately, if we get the word out to the families, that's going to give them a little bit of an ease of a stressor, which is then helping their mental health. Is it hard to convince other organizations to support youth leader or youth leaders' mission? Um, you know, because I mean, you guys are a nonprofit, you know, mm -hmm. and I am curious to know how do you convince other organizations or people. Um, so you, they could help you keep the lights on and be able to go ahead and continue this. Just telling them what we do. You know, I when I came on to Y2L, I saw the amount of work that we're doing here in the Central Valley, ultimately. So when I talk to different, you know, corporations or organizations throughout Kern County and even in, like up north by Fresno and they don't know about Y2L, I tell them what we do. And instantly, there you see a, a light turn on. They're like, oh, man, I want to get involved. How do I get involved? It's just telling the story. Going back to what I was telling you earlier, you tell a story about what you're doing. I don't, I don't have to go out and sell something, right? It's the impact that we're having with our students, the results that we're having with our students. I mean, we have multiple stories about students getting us um, – a scholarship from Y2L. One of them, um, he is the assistant dean over at, um, the dean of uh, students over at uh, Taft College now. And he was a scholarship recipient. Just right there, man, that's a success story. These two are success stories. Majority of our staff are success stories. And so when I, again, when I'm talking to different partners, I tell them what we do and they're like, okay, how can I get involved? 
I don't have to like go on this huge hour and a half presentation about what we're doing. We sit like we're sitting right now. We have a conversation and they're like, all right, let's do it. You know? And and so I, I believe that the branding of Y2L is getting better. The marketing of Y2L is getting better and it's getting the word out. And so that's how we can um, really collaborate with other organizations to keep the lights on. What do you want to say to individuals or organizations who have the resources to donate? You know, when I, that's a really good question because when I think about it, you know, I want them to, to not just only donate funds, right. But also their time. I want them to come and see what we're doing firsthand. They're going to be like, wow, this is amazing work. We're helping students. So, yeah, I mean, if there are organizations able to donate to sponsor um, any type of way, volunteerism, you know, you're going to be able to see some students' lives change. And it might not be right now, it might not be tomorrow, but you'll always remember volunteering at a Y2L camp. And when you see that next astronaut, they're going to say, oh, man, I remember them from when we did the Y2L camp at their STEM Academy, you know? And so to me, it's just really just having them come and volunteer and seeing what we're about. And then if they'd like to donate in any way, you know, I'd be so happy for them to do that. Thanks for sharing that, man. Tisok and Paola, as students, can you share any personal experiences or insights on how your mental health was supported or how youth leader has impacted your educational journey in, you know, and ultimately your overall well-being. I think for me, um, I mean, I remember when I was in, in my undergrad, which is not too long ago, but um, simply being like, hey, I need to take time to, I need to take a day to study, right? Um, because I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with the, might be overwhelmed with the work that I'm doing here at Y2L or, you know, just some aspects of life that overwhelms me. Um, going to them, but hey, I need to take a day off just to, you know, to study or just to, to take a breath, right? And be like, okay, go ahead and do that. Because it goes back to, again, if I'm not, if they know that I'm not feeling well, then the work that I'm doing is not going to be well as well, right? Um, so that that support that they've, and the confidence too, that they've given us, um, that they've given me to be like, um, you know, well, he is, you know, he is struggling. We need to support him. We need to support the staff that is struggling. Has 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 been very helpful, but it's the, like they let you know, like we're there for you. Um, our colleagues are are there for each other when when we need them. So, um, I mean, for me, White Twelve has really helped me, you know, uh, growth professionally, mentally, you know, and and just overall. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say it goes both in and out of school. Um, the food bank at TCB has definitely been a big resource for me. Um, and then just being able to go to the writing center, you know, what sometimes I felt like because I come from a Hispanic household as well, like that language barrier was there for me as well. Um, growing up, I was actually in a tutoring academy to speak English. I didn't really speak it well. Um, and I couldn't understand a lot either. So still going to the writing center as well, it still really helps me and, and feel secure and like what I'm doing throughout my journey as well. Um, but as far as Y2L, you know, at one point I was working three jobs. I was going to the fields, I was working at Jack in the Box and I was working with, um, the AmeriCorps program with Y2L as well. And 
I remember feeling so stressed, super stressed. I was at the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. I was taking 17 units as well. And, you know, I, I went to my program coordinator at the time and I was like, how can I make my life easier? I was, you know, kind of just being genuine and letting her know that I was really going through it. And the fact that she heard me and she said, you know what? I think the best thing you could do is let go of a few things to make yourself better. And I think that that reality check that Y2L kind of gives you sometimes, you know, and it's all positive feedback. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you're surrounded by people who generally want better, better for you, you know. Um, so and even then, our colleagues will always say, hey, there's this program here at school that you can take advantage of. Hey, there's a scholarship here at CCB. You know, I actually found out about a scholarship that pays your books. And I let all of our all of our coworkers know, and all of us got our books paid for. Whitewell also gave me a scholarship, right? And for a minute, so I have a twin sister and an older sister, and we all go to, um, we're all enrolled in the higher education system, right? So for my mom to be able to pay all of that for all three of us is really hard, right? And, you know, thankfully we qualified for some financial aid, but Whitewell guaranteed us, all three of us actually, a scholarship. So, you know, I went out and it was during COVID times and I was stressed out because I was like, how am I going to get all this work done? There's so many people at this house and Y12 gave me that scholarship. I bought myself a desk and I bought myself a computer and, you know, I was able to get through it and, you know, there was no struggle with it. So I feel like Y12 has definitely helped all aspects of my life professionally, financially, um, socially. Um, so I definitely feel like I have grown so much and my mental health has, you know, boosted my confidence as well in anything that I need. I can just really talk to somebody who will be completely honest with me and give me that feedback and advice um, that sometimes is hard to hear. But I know it's all looking it's all looking in the interest of my future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Nice. You touch base on AmeriCorps. Gabriel, talk to us about AmeriCorps. I think that's one of the programs we really didn't talk about. Yeah, so our, our we were we were so engulfed in our other programs. Um, so yeah, so uh, we partner with uh, the Kern High School District and KCSOS. Um, we and also AmeriCorps uh, to be able to provide uh, mentors, uh, our AmeriCorps mentors to um, the foster youth programs at these uh, at. Uh, current high school district and KCSOS. So we help with the foster youth and at risk youth. And so this program is amazing because they're working with the clinician at the schools, doing one-on-ones with students. Um, And maybe uh, Paola can go in a little bit more detail, but uh, right now we have 15 AmeriCorps members. And so that's 15 other staff members that are out there helping students, you know, and, and whatever the case is, um, they're trained in different, um, you know, obviously, uh, FAFSA, you know, financial aid applications, helping them fill out um, their applications and different trainings that they've done. And our program coordinator is doing such a great job with that. Um, but again, it's helping these students on a day to day basis or a weekly basis to, you know, just talk with them. Um, someone that's not their parents or their teacher. But yeah, I'll pass it off to Paola to give a little bit more insight because she was a member. Yeah, so I worked with AmeriCorps for three years. And that's another program that if I had to volunteer to do, I definitely would do it. Um, My three years throughout AmeriCorps definitely helped me kind of see, you know, if I thought I was going through things, you know, like seeing this population of high school students, especially in this generation, go through things as well. You know, just having a friend means a lot. 
especially in high school. Um, throughout the AmeriCorps program, our staff gets trained on different types of trainings. I would say it's more focused on social-emotional learning um, and how to really be there for a student on all types of aspects. You know, if they need um, food, if they need clothing, if they need just extra support, stress, and coping mechanisms, I would say that that's one of the things that I remember focusing on um, very, very much. Um, at my site, I worked with middle schools and high school students, um, but it definitely is more of that hands-on experience with students because it's like a day-to-day thing that they do with their students. Um, and AmeriCorps has definitely taught them how to be, you know, that social-emotional concept is like very, very much there for them. So that training that our AmeriCorps members get, and they're all, all amazing at it. They have students coming in telling them, you know, daily things about their life that, you know, these students are students who may not be A3G qualified, and they feel like it's the end of the world because they won't get into a community college or they won't get into a, a CSU system. You know, at the bare minimum, um, they feel like there's nothing much that they can do And our AmeriCorps members go in there and help them realize that, you know, their future just starts with them kind of picking it up in the sense that there is resources out there for them, that there is somebody who's going to see them. You know, we talked a lot about, you know, feeling seen. And this is what our AmeriCorps program, I would describe, does, is helping the population of high school students that they serve feel seen and discover the resources that they can have to go into that higher education system or those C-Tech programs. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're approaching the end of our episode, so I definitely want to go ahead and get into, I think these are our, our final few questions. And I want to ask the three of you, how do you think the culture surrounding mental health and pursuing some sort of higher education has evolved in our community? And what role do organizations like Youth to Leader play in fostering this positive change? I mean, I we I hope that we're changing the culture <laughs> as an organization, as an individual. Um, I think because of the services that we provide our students, we're seeing more students go into higher education. And when we mean higher education, it doesn't necessarily mean a four-year university, right? It means a CTEC, uh, you know, um, or, or a junior college or a four-year university. And seeing those students go to these institutions, um, I mean, we are seeing them. You know, we are seeing the, the culture kind of shifting by informing not only the students, but the parents as well. Um, and, and the teachers, the teachers that they have and the mentors that they have in high school. So it's not only the teachers and only the, the students, um, and not only the students, but the teachers as well, you know, that we're informing and that we're getting the, our resources out to. But, I mean, I would say that, that I hope that the culture is changing, you know, and that, that, we're, that we're working towards, towards that change, yeah, especially I, in our communities. I agree with you, Sok. I would say that the culture is now changing towards mental health. I feel like it's something that has become accepted now um, because, you know, just a few years ago, someone would come to us with an issue um, and, you know, just kind of in general, people wouldn't really know how to react, you know, or how to handle a case. Um, but I definitely would say that Youth to Leaders has put in, you know, the effort and the knowledge and the resources into being able to address that and being able to turn that into, you know, the positive side of things on how we can make this, um, you know, make this change for the better. 
um, and be able to serve the parents and the students and the families in general to just kind of be able to, you know, feel better and secure about where they're at. No, I, I agree. I think they both hit it on um, the nail because, again, that mental health, you know, I mean, just even a few years ago, well, probably before COVID was kind of, you know, like Tisok said earlier, it was taboo, right? Now, I mean, it's in every aspect. I mean, some organizations get a mental health day, right? Um, I see Y2L just, you know, really focusing on helping our students get through those barriers of, again, when parents say, well, what do you have to stress about? You know, you're just in, in school. Well, there's a lot that goes into school. I mean, not even just from the academic side, you know, social, like having friends, right? I think just in all aspects, I believe that our camps, you know, it's, I recall one of our program coordinators saying that when she was in our camps, she remembered, um, another school district that was, uh, you know, outside of, uh, Kern County that they knew they were going to see each other again at the next camp. Right. And to me, that's, that's, um, developing friendships that, you know, Oh man, I want to go to this next Y2L camp because I'm going to go see my, one of my best friends. And I thought that was so cool. And so again, it's just all aspects of our camps are really focusing on our students getting into higher ed, but also with their mental health and how to navigate through higher education and hopefully in life as well. I think also to the, the access, um, access to, to mental health services that students have and that the general population have. I mean, you can go into your phone, download an app and you can be instantly connected to a therapist or, you know, or you can go to your school and the schools have, um, free services for mental health. Uh, we're seeing more um, MSWs go into into the school settings, you know, with their PPS credentials and really helping the students when in reality, most of the counselors wouldn't know how to handle, you know, um, mental health situations or crisis with the students. So seeing that shift in that culture, in, in our culture, is eye-opening and it's really like, we're seeing, okay, we're seeing change. We're seeing positive change. And I think that happened during and after that pandemic. So something good is coming out of the pandemic, you know, where we're seeing more access to, to, um, to mental health. I'm going to ask you the hardest question of this podcast. Do you believe that higher education is for everyone? It's a great question. Um, I mean, I can answer just from my personal perspective, higher education was always pushed like I was since I was a kid it was like you need to go to college you need to go to college I went to college I went to a uh, JC you know I went to BC when I was working a full-time job when I was getting paid more than what I had been getting paid the minimum wage I was like I don't need higher education you know it's not going to get me far you know how much far how much farther am I going to get and then when I started to see that I was working the same amount of hours, the same amount of work, maybe even more compared to the students that or the coworkers that just had the the degree and were one getting paid more than me, but they were also getting more respect. Personally, that struck a chord. I was like, "What? That doesn't that's not fair, right?" And so at the time when I thought about that, I was like, "Oh, I I need to get my bachelor's. It, it's going to improve my life." 
But again, when I had that moment of, you know, the light turned on and I was like, no, this is going to benefit me more than just the dollar, right? Whether you use your degree when you graduate or not, higher education teaches you responsibility. It teaches you organization. It teaches you um, how to navigate through time management, working three jobs at going to school. Um, That's why. Yeah, that, that that I didn't know that though. That's even more respect, Paola. But um, it teaches you these skills that you don't just use in your four years, two years, eight years, whatever. How long you're in college, you take them throughout your life. So again, the the degree itself might get you that job, but the skills and everything you learn from higher education, it is going to benefit you just throughout your life. I know because I learned so much when I went to CSUB and I really buckled down. I had to learn time management. I had to learn how to be disciplined, go to the library and spend three hours there after you worked eight to 10 hours a day, then you have class and then you have to go to the library afterwards. You barely have time to eat and sleep, but that taught me, Oh, if I can do this, I can do anything. Right? So that's my perspective on it. And I truly believe that every student, and again, it might not work for everyone. I have cousins who went straight to the oil fields and they're doing very well for themselves. But again, it is, that's, that's a hard job, right? It it, it really is. I, it, and just to kind of sidetrack, I had a, I have, um, a younger cousin of mine and I love him dearly, but he said he wanted to get into landscaping. I'm like, landscaping, what do you know? about landscaping because he was saying he doesn't he didn't know um if he wanted to go to college and at the time i was like what is what what do you know about landscaping and so something that i thought of when i was younger i was like and when i was really trying to pursue my higher education i was to me i'm like man i don't want to have to work in the fields i don't i could have gone straight to the oil fields but i was like you know what i like ac i like a heater so using your brain and using the skills that you learn through higher education, I believe is going to take you far in life. Yeah. I would say that definitely the key is that knowledge really is power. Um, I would say that that goes for any aspect, whether or not um, you're pursuing a degree um, or doing you know something that doesn't necessarily require a degree. I would say I'm very do much agree within the lines of Gabriel that it's all within what you're learning, I would definitely say that obtaining that degree does give you skill factors that you might not get going another path. Um, and I think that whether or not you want to pursue a higher education, it all kind of goes back on that self-discipline that you're putting on yourself. Um, but obtaining a degree, I would definitely say has earned me the respect of, of, of my other peers, you know, of making it easier on me to kind of create my own space and that might just be because of the career path that I'm going towards you know I want to become a social worker um but that just goes based on every individual journey and I think that at the end of the day it's just pursuing something that's going to make you happy and something that you know that's not going to feel like a job you know because if you're really doing what makes you happy you're not really working right so I say that at the end of the day it's really what makes you you and it's going to be what you're going to pursue yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I've seen students, friends of mine who we went to school together, college, and then literally a semester before graduating, they drop out because they realize that this isn't for them. 
So, and then because I grew up, you know, with my parents and my family telling me education is what you need. It's something that no one will take ever take away from you. It's the great equalizer. Seeing my friends and other peers, you know, drop out a semester before graduation because they realized and, you know, they might have realized either for good or for bad, whatever the situation may be. I, I like I started to, to tell myself education might not be higher education, not might be for everyone. Right. But it, I, I would agree with Paula. It's like if you know that it is for you, then take it and run with it like many of us have done, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with you, Tisoka. I mean, the reality is that I, I personally feel that at higher education may not be for everyone, you know. Um, but I don't think that that also needs to go ahead and push someone away from asking for help. So this is not an ad. Um, there are resources at Bakersfield College like the Encore program. And that supports students that are 16 to 24 at no cost to them that may have dropped out of high school or are homeless. They may be low-income foster youth, pregnant, or new parents. They have a history of the juvenile justice system or they're disabled. And there's a number of programs that are out there, um, including going into like animal sciences, culinary arts. I mean, there's so much um, that, that exists through this program. And again, that, and that's just in Bakersfield College. There's so many other organizations that, you know, ultimately do similar programs to that. So I would just encourage you to go ahead and reach out to even youth leaders. And even though they they would be able to go ahead and get you to somewhere that would be able to help you. Um, if they don't have an immediate answer, I'm sure that they're competent enough to be able to find the answer for you. So, um I do want to go ahead and ask, what advice would you give to other nonprofit organizations or educational institutions um, to prioritize their higher education or their mental health um, to, you know, and or to support other student organizations? I think <clears throat> I think you hit it on the nail again with the um, just reaching out. Right. It's, I think one of the biggest things that can stand in the way of progress is ego, you know, um, just sending an email, making that phone call. Um, and, and this is for individuals, right? Um, putting that aside and being like, you know what? I need help. I need to find that resource because I'm going through it right now. Um, just really just getting on the call, you know, and, and thank you for the plug calling Y2L um, because we are going to be able to help you whether again, it's internally or we can direct you to the right um, organization or club or whatever the case is. Um, but something that I would just recommend to other nonprofits or um, corporations or whoever it is collaboration. Um, that is one of the biggest things. Not one person, not one organization can do one thing, right? We constantly, I mean, we, our biggest partner is KCSOS and current high school district. We're able to partner with them to reach more students and, and to put on these programs. And so big shout out to them, to their migrant departments. Um, Sal Avalos is amazing. Um, our board members, all of our board members have different insights, different um, resources that they give to me that I'm able to give to the staff. Um, but again, just collaboration and communication, you know, um, 
Bakersfield, Kern County is so philanthropic that I believe there's so many people that we can reach out to that like I know if someone needs like, um, you know, food services, I know I can reach out to the food bank to give them um, resources. I know I can or the Cap K food bank. I know I can reach out to United Way for financial uh, for their taxes. People have been recommending uh, youth to leaders to help with their students in higher education. So it's like we don't want to gatekeep, you know. Oh, no, no, no. We, we don't want them to go over there because you're going to give them the whatever, you know. You're going to give them praise or you're going to give them a donation. It shouldn't be about the monetary gain. It should be about the community and the people we're helping. So, I mean, that's where I, I believe it's just open communication. Yeah, you know, the first thing that came into my head was me sitting in my sixth grade classroom and this poster above that said, um, shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars. Meaning that, you know, there's a lot of big organizations here that you can just reach out to and not being afraid to ask, you know, whether it be a student reaching out to a mentor or whether it be a smaller organization reaching out to another. Um, I would definitely say that the help is there. It's just a matter of reaching out and asking for that help with confidence, you know. Um, and exactly like the quote says, even if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars. You know, I definitely feel like every opportunity is an opportunity to grow, um, whether or not, you know, you you realize that. I think that it definitely does build you as a person so or as a group. I think, um, and I've, I've said it in when I talk to, um, you know, our partners, when I've had the chance to talk to our partners, um, nonprofits, like like us are so vital to the structure of our society because we're we're filling in the gaps you know of where the state the federal government or the school system is you know not not filling and um you know, yeah it can be hard i'm sure right gabriel writing grants and you know <laughs> getting those in but um when you have people who are passionate you know in, in writing, you know, those grants because we want to, we want the, the, the money to go into, you know, the programs that we're doing in order to make it more accessible for our students that we serve, um, the higher education. Um, it makes it all worth it. But I mean, I would agree with Gabriel and, and Paula, you know, that outreach, that, that not being afraid of, you know, um, reaching out to the schools, reaching out to the parents, reaching out to the students and saying, hey, where do you guys need help? Out? Where can my organization work with you guys whether it be from you know simply having to talk to them to the students be like hey we're gonna sit down with you and we're gonna go with your educational plan and we're gonna be like what what are you gonna do or what do you want to do from referring them to someone that we have connections with at uc berkeley you know or ucla or you know what other schools having that nonprofit or that organization that fills in the gap is i would say is, is vital and i i know i know we're doing that work mm-hmm you could add USC to that vocabulary. You know, hey. USC was, it is my dream school. So, uh, <laughs> actually, we are looking to take about, uh, I think, 100 Double. parents and students. Oh, just students and parents to USC for a, um, a tour. Uh, they're a part of uh, uh, workshops that we have um, at East High on the weekends. And so it's going to be really cool. So, shout out to USC. We're going to be over there soon. Fight on. <laughs> Gabriel, where can people learn more about Youth to Leaders? Yeah, so um, 
I would recommend going to our website. Uh, so you can type in y2l.org, y2lef.org, or utilleaders.org. Any of those are going to take you to our website. Um, if you want to reach out to us, go to our contact us page. Uh, give us a call at 661-374-8817. Email us at info at y2lef.org. Uh, follow us on social media, our Instagram, our Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, I would even say our TikTok. You know, I mean... <laughs> Um, any way you go to one of those uh, media outlets, we'll be able to get back to you. Um, our marketing team does such a great job in providing um, messages to myself or our team. So again, we can help our um, our community. So uh, yeah, I would suggest uh, going to one of those uh, outlets. Where are you guys uh, physically located at? So we are located uh, 1701 Westwind Drive at, in the Metro Center, Suite 129. Uh, so please, we'd love to see you if you want to come stop by. Uh, if you need help with your financial aid application, your college application, or if you're looking to apply for a scholarship, we have a multitude of scholarships uh, in our scholarship program that you can apply to. Again, visit our website. You'll find all that information on there. And, you know, just give us a call. We, we can definitely um, give you a little bit more insight on what we're doing here in the community. Anything else that you guys would like to add before I conclude this episode? Anything that I didn't ask that you guys wish that I would have asked? I think to tell our youth, you know, not to be, not to be afraid to, to fail, right? Many of our, um, we, we tell our, our youth, well, if you fail, you're going to be a failure for the rest of your life. But no, we need those, um, you know, those, um, those bumps in the road to really learn from and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I always tell the students that I work with or that I get a chance to work with, like, if you're down, if you fail a test, if you, you know, don't get into the school, it, it happens for a reason, you know, do better, try to do better. You have the support to do better. You have Y2L that helps you to do better. Go ahead and do it and run with it. So telling them not, you know, not to be afraid to fail, um, you know, and to get back up and, and, and to do it again and again and again until they are where they want to be is, you know, what I found and what students tell me, like, you know, when you told me that I was failing a class and then I tried, I tried, I tried again, it helps them. Yeah, and I think that doesn't matter where you come from, who you are. I think that, you know, as long as you believe in yourself, you can accomplish whatever you would like to accomplish. And Youth Leaders is definitely there to help. Um, we are having a fundraiser at That Habit next wednesday february 21st um starting from four to closing till 10 so come out and support us all those um, proceeds will go into our scholarship funds um to you know help continue giving back yeah so thank you paolo for that (laughs) that's awesome we have another um fundraiser at pyology on april 5th uh, so that's going to be really exciting. It's going to actually be all day. And I do want to let you know that through these uh, fundraisers at the r- local restaurants, uh, you do have to showcase either the flyer or let them know that it is a Y2L um, fundraiser. Um, again, like Paolo had said, the donations are going to go back to our programs, which are going to affect our community. Um, lastly, I just want to you know shout out to you, Ramon, for inviting Y2L onto your podcast, uh, giving us the platform to tell our community about what we're doing. Um, I believe that, again, telling the story is just going to enhance our programs, our organization, and ultimately our students and our families that we're working with. So again, thank you so much for having us. Of course, man. Uh, again, this interview, I was trying to be unbiased, uh, you know, but ultimately I really respect the work that you do, Gabriel and Paola. Uh, 
your organization is a really good one. Um, again, it's um, I am a little bit biased to be honest with you. You know, our organization has given um, a little bit over um, eleven thousand dollars towards your organization, and we plan to give more. You know, because we really do believe in the mission of youth to leaders. Um, so. Again, I'm, it's it's hard for me to be unbiased, um, but I tried my best. But I thank you all for the work that you guys do and, you know, me being able to make change for the next generation. So, all right. So that was Desigmatized Mental Health Podcast Season 3, Episode 2, Highlighting Pursuing Higher Education with Youth to Leaders Educational Foundation. You can share this episode and listen to past episodes of Desigmatized Mental Health Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you.